Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is the Reading Women Podcast, where we're claiming half the bookshelf by talking about books by or about women, and this is episode six. You made it through. I did. First time. This is the first time. Literally, first time. It usually takes me two or three tries, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about Harry Potter, and we're so excited no, because we're talking, we're talking about, about Harry Potter. Hermione. Talking about well, Hermione. Yes, yes. Harry Potter is like, I mean, like, generally Harry Potter, the franchise. Yes. And normally, I don't name the podcast until after I edit them, but this one is called Hermione Granger and the Two Useless Boys because <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Well, yeah. Now, we do need to do our little disclaimers here that we are married to men who once were boys. So, we love them. and we res- Dearly. We respect them. Dearly. But Harry and Ron are useless. <laughs> they are. So. They're also 12. I'd be interested to see 30-year-old Harry Potter, which I guess I can in the new one. But Harry Potter and the first child? Yep. Yep. So, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child came out. Um, Spitting of news here. And a lot has been divulged. So, we're only going to talk about Hermione and the stuff that everyone knows going into the book. Because I've not read it. Right. So, she hasn't read it. And you have. Yeah. Well, yes. Autumn, I have. Autumn hasn't. Autumn's going to buy my book. Not buy. Borrow my book. Borrow. Which is why we're friends. Anyway, so the only thing we're going to talk about is that Hermione is still married to Ron. She has two children, and she is the Minister of Magic. Which is cool. Yes. So we're going to stick to those three things, because otherwise anything else would probably be a spoiler. So. Which we do not do. We are a spoiler-free podcast, if we can help it. Yes, so thankfully I can cut out if I slip, but um, just just pray for Autumn that she doesn't have a Harry Potter ruined for her. I would cry. I would, that would probably be the end of this podcast. I don't know. I don't know. We we still have we still have our our next month's theme, which we'll be announcing at the end of this podcast. True. Yeah, you might want to wait if you want to break up with me until after then. <laughs> I guess we should get started on that note. Okay, so um, we already posted our intro to Harry Potter on our blog, and if you're not actually checking our blog in between podcasts, you should, because we do a blog post when we don't do a podcast. And we post all kinds of random bookish things all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I subscribe to many article newsletters, and I just plop in the ones about women that are actually interesting. So please check that out. Um, We also share that on our Twitter. But um, anyway, so we've already done this, basically, why we love Harry Potter. But um, we wanted to give a brief intro to why we love the series. I first read Harry Potter only three, no, 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 two years ago. And I was in graduate school and stressed out the wazoo because I was reading James Joyce. And so (laughs) I went to the library and pulled out Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you live in the world, and sat on the floor and read the whole first couple chapters. And it was glorious and wonderful. And 
I fell in love. And then I continued to listen through it. Um, like, I fully credit Harry Potter to getting me through wedding planning. I don't, I don't know what I would have done without those books. And Jim Dale, bless his yes, voice. Bless his heart. Oh, I love that man. So without that, I don't think I would have made it through wedding planning. Because wedding planning is horrible. It is. It is. Yeah. But yeah, that's a different story for another day. So um, yeah, I just fell in love and I love the series and I love, I mean, and I love Hermione. She's just so amazing. Like, she's incredible. I want to be Hermione when I grow up. That's pretty much she's been a life so, goal. She's so smart and she's just. She's so cool. <laughs> and then, like, so now, of course, because of the movies, like, um, Hermione and Emma Watson are, like, one in the same in my brain. And then, like, Emma Watson is always doing really amazing things. It's true. And they, in interviews, like, because she went to Brown and stuff, like, they're like, oh, yeah, she's, like, Hermione, like, personality-wise and stuff. So I don't really know. I've never met Emma Watson, but she seems similar. Well, I even heard just last week, actually, how she did, like, this um, this company who does, um, oh, fair trade clothing, like, all the way down, like, the product chain. Like, she was a brand ambassador for them for a while. And I was like, oh, look at her getting involved in social justice issues, just like Hermione. I would expect nothing less. She's probably a bit more effective so, in social justice than Hermione, though. Yeah. She's definitely not as um, forceful. <laughs> Is that the right word? Yeah, I maybe. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. Hermione in the house elves. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. So, so that's my story. That's um, my introduction. My story, then I guess, is I read them when LimeWire was a thing, and you could illegally download audiobooks. <laughs> uh, confession. <clears throat> anyway. That computer has been destroyed, so there's no actual evidence here. Um, if the NSA is listening. <laughs> so I did that, and then I did the first, like, three books on audio, and then I read all the way up to Hagrid. And I wasn't supposed to be reading them, and that didn't go over well. But eventually, when... <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> anyway. Well, Hi, Kendra's Mom. <laughs> I know. Number one fan. Um, anyway, so then I got to, uh, after my freshman year of college, and I made a deal with my dad that I wouldn't buy a bikini if he would let me listen to all of the Harry Potter books. And we made, we struck a deal. <laughs> Hashtag priorities. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. Um, I don't was a really big beach person anyway and so it worked out um <laughs> what would Her Hermione Granger think of that I don't know but you know when your adult daughter like makes a deal and there's you know I don't know I don't I, I need to ask my dad how that went down um anyway anyway I think I, think I got the better end of the deal because I listened <laughs> to all of them on audio in one summer, and that started the um, my tradition that I read Harry Potter between the Battle of Hogwarts, which is May 2nd, usually ended up being the end of school, to uh, September 1st. But usually I make it by Harry's birthday, which is July 31st. So 
And this is why Kendra is going to be driving this conversation and I'm going to be tagging along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, this is going to spread the Harry Potter gospel here because um, it's wonderful. Um, and I'm and- her disciple. <laughs> <laughs> to continue the metaphor. I, I love Harry Potter and I talk about themes and stuff like that and the blog posts and universal whatever um over there but today we're going to talk about Hermione because she's the best and the most amazing and we're going to dip our feet into the um pool here but first we actually have to say credit much of the podcast which please for a lot of the topics that we're going to be discussing today because while we are just doing one episode they do an entire series, an entire podcast, dissecting Harry Potter and applying feminism, um, looks at race and uh, teaching methods and everything else in there. So once you finish this podcast, go over and check out Which Please. Uh, we've included the link in our last blog post, so you can go check them out. They're amazing. Um, yes. They are great. And even when you don't disagree with them, you still laugh and love them anyway. Like, very few people can express their opinions that way. I was playing it out loud a couple weeks ago, and Josh is in the room, and he was like, what are you listening to? And I was like, I'm listening to which place? He goes, that sounds fascinating. He's like, I think I should listen to that. I'm like, yes, you should. Oh, my goodness. Literary nerds unite. So... So we're going to jump into this talking about Hermione by asking the question, is she bossy or is she just assertive? And we all know the answer to this question. She's she's obviously assertive. Bossy is traditional, you know, that's a sexist term usually that most people give. And usually when I use the, the phrase bossy, I'm actually referring to men. Like, when I sat down and thought about this, like, the most recent time that I had used it, it was, like, referring to a guy. So I was like, oh, well then. And I think that we have to remember, too, that they're, what, 11 when the series starts? Yeah. They're 11. Well, she's actually 12, around 12. Like, she turns 12 in the fall, so. Yeah. Yeah, they're turning 12 throughout the first year. So, I mean... I was incredibly obnoxious when I was that age, so... Weren't we all? (laughs) Yeah. This was junior high. Not a good time for any woman on the planet. No. Horrible. So, anyway, so... Now, it's funny because in the first book, um, you know, the the books aren't technically narrated by Harry, but they are from his limited perspective, so it's third-person limited, and he misses a lot of stuff. So Hermione is really annoying at first, but after the troll incident where they go and rescue her, quote unquote, from the troll, then she's totally fine. And that's obviously a thing from his perspective. Um, But she's just very driven and she knows what she wants to do. Yeah, and she definitely has some obstacles of her own to overcome, being that she is a muggle and... She's not, so she's not like the other kids. And she has some other challenges that she has to overcome. But she's like super smart, which I think they feel kind of schooled because she's not, she doesn't come from a wizarding family and she knows way more than they do in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's funny, like she's, you know, memorized all the textbooks and, um, I mean, Harry and Ron rarely even read their textbooks, but they get what's the equivalent of like bees, basically. 
and she's, you know, a straight A. And the only top, you know, the only thing she struggles with is broom flying, basically, and defense against the dark arts. She wipes the floor with everything else, which she, which Harry needs, you know, because he struggles with Jen, whatever. And you'll note that even though Harry and Ron save Hermione from the troll at first, very rarely is she actually saved from that time on. Right. Like, it is a rare moment. So, like, she does, um, she chooses the right potion in the first book. She uses the time turner in the third book. And she helps Harry with the first task in the Goblet of Fire. Uh, they practice the summoning charm. And then in the fifth book, she comes up with the Order of the Phoenix idea, the coin communication, and pretty much arranges the meeting. She's like the project coordinator. And she also tricks Umbridge to going out and meeting the centaurs. So she does everything. And then uh, one of the things we do want to talk about, though, is her beaded bag in the seventh book. Because some people say that that is a stereotype rather than Hermione's usual swashbuckling save-the-day kind of mentality. Well, in her own nerdy way, of course. Because is that at the... Remind me. Is that at the ball? No, that is at... In the seventh book, when they're going off and they're not going back to Hogwarts, Hermione packs everything in this small beaded bag. Oh, that's right. I remember now. Right? And I have no idea what it's supposed to look like, but it's supposed to be this tiny, it sounds feminine bag that she stores all their extra clothes. She packs, you know, Harry and Ron's stuff. She packs all the books, anything that they might need, including those the tent that they use um, to hide out in. Um, and there's been commentary that, you know, the beaded bag is such a stereotypical thing that the woman is taking care of the men they are useless and blah, blah, blah. But um, I think we do have to point out that Harry is distracted because he's always very inwardly self-focused because he has a lot of, you know, stressful junk going on, like someone trying to murder him. And and not to mention that someone is actually living in his brain, basically. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, you know, when Ron grows up, you know, he leaves and comes back. But, and then after that point, it's said that he takes leadership. And so that's his growing point. Um, and Ron really generally gets a bad rap anyway. Um, but it's mentioned that he is equally as intelligent with Harry. And the only thing he does, uh, Harry does better in his defense against the dark arts. So I think just compared to Harry, who is incredibly popular and whatever, it's a struggle. And her, everyone looks stupid next to him, Heine. Well, and I think she's just, like, more of a strategist. The boys seem to focus more on, like, immediately what's going on, and she seems a little bit more longer-term focused. I think, too, with this bag, and this is something that we had discussed in our pre-conversation, was that um, it's okay. Like, it doesn't diminish any part of Hermione, this detail. Like, it's okay for her to have this role and it's not necessarily a stereotype it's just part of her personality yeah and it also makes sense like and why is what bothers me sometimes when we talk about feminism is that anything what is you know society considers feminine can't be feminist because you know you know so if a woman wants to wear heels and a 50s dress she should be allowed to wear it if she wants to right just just like in the series, Hagrid should be allowed to cook and clean and wear an apron or do more traditionally, well, I guess would be considered traditionally like 
feminine roles and it's okay like it doesn't make him any less of any less manly I think the main point that we got frustrated on was that people were disparaging the bag just because it was stereotypically feminine Hermione took a bag no matter what kind of bag it was and she made it bigger on the inside and packed everything and she's always planning creating schedules and whatever and that's just part of her personality and yeah she's saving the day by preparing them for this challenge that's what Hermione does and so I think this is something that we need to admire about Hermione rather than fussing that she didn't pick the exact color bag that our society whatever part of society we're talking about thought that she should choose I think that's just getting distracted from the main point right and if any of you have done a better job at close reading than we have and have some insight into this please feel free to share your ideas with us we are more than happy to discuss them and uh, talk to you about them Yes, because we don't want to make this entire episode about gender theory, despite the fact that that is my wheelhouse. No. Um, we will we will move on because uh, Hermione has a lot going on besides the fact that she is generally, the next topic we're looking at is that she understands relationships better than the men in her life. Aren't And they're always going to her for relationship advice, too. Yeah, and she always knows who likes who. And she doesn't say anything, because Marnie is very outspoken, but she can keep a secret when she needs to. I think she's like, I guess like the Sherlock Holmes. Like, I feel like she observes way more than she lets on. And then, oh, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's a scene in the library when she shares something that she's observed. And she's like, how have you not noticed? And I feel like that's very typically Hermione. Yeah, like when Ginny can start talking around Harry again. Yes. You totally <laughs> what? Um, and, you know, since it is from Harry's perspective, I have to wonder how much Hermione knows what's going on than, than she's letting on. Because she knew that Lupin was a werewolf before. Um, right. She suspected who the Half-Blood Prince was. He was very close. Because um, she said it was... Um, Snape's mom, even though it was Snape, so she was she was really close, basically without internet. Like, it's amazing. Um, and she also knows like that Harry likes Cho, when Harry likes Ginny, and that Ginny likes Harry, and and who knows what else is going on. And she probably knows that Ron likes her, even though Ron doesn't really realize it until later. Do you think so? I think she knows because like there at the in the fourth book, she's like Ron, you know. If you wanted to go, you need to ask me. Like, other people have noticed that I'm a girl. And then they have that fight at the ball because Ron realizes how pretty he is, she is and gets really jealous. So here's a question for you. Do you think she should be with Ron or should she have been with Harry? I, I think that she should be with Ron because a very driven woman cannot be with like, she is the one that needs the support in the relationship. Like, she needs a more chill dude, you know, partner to be able to balance that. And then Hermione, Harry is kind of like a drama king, you know? Like, he's very emotional. They're both ve- they're both very intense people. Yes. So I feel like they would have imploded had they been together. Yeah. And I think that Ron and Ginny are both from very chill family. I mean, they're from the same family. They're from a very chill family. So I think that works. Right. And maybe that's part of the reason why 
both she and Harry are very attracted to spending time with the Weasleys because they are very chill as a family. Yeah, I, I really do think it works. I do think one of the things I wish that Rowling had did was flesh out Ginny more. Yes, definitely. I agree. She seems kind of flat, and I looked, particularly this past reading, this past summer, I looked at Ginny in particular. Um, and you can tell if you pay close attention that she is a fireball while still at the same time being really friendly and chill. Like, if you mess with her, you're, you're going to get it. Um, but the general person, like, Rowling's amazing at characterization, and so she kind of falls flat when it comes to Ginny, which is highly unusual. Um, so that's one thing I wish she had done more of. Maybe now that she's writing more on Pottermore and things, we'll get more of her story and more of her personality. I thought it was interesting she becomes a sports reporter, which you learn on Pottermore, um, and eventually edits the sports pages. So I did not see that coming, honestly. Yeah, I, hmm, I'll have to ponder that one a little bit. I mean, because you I didn't know that. I've not read as extensively on Pottermore <laughs> as you have. No surprise there. <laughs> I'm just a little bit, a little bit obsessed. Tiny bit. I'm just a juvenile delinquent. It's okay. It's okay, you too, young Padawan. I just made all the fantasy people just cringe. You just... All you needed to say was just, like... All you need to do is, like, throw in something about, like, the one ring or something like that. And you could have just had, like, a trifecta right there. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that meme. We may have to put that put that in the show notes. <laughs> Put them all the memes in the show notes. Definitely. So we alluded to this before, but we wanted to talk a little bit about Hermione and the house elves because that is a little bit of a if she has one well, if she has one glaring flaw, I think this would have to be it. Yeah. Definitely. Because um I think it's sort of like when white people go over to third world countries and try to tell them how to live their lives, it's right. more like those cultures need to decide for themselves and you can support them deciding for themselves. But if you just go in and try, you know, white person trying to fix all the world's problems, then it's not going to work. And I think the house elves need to decide for themselves that they want to be free. So a little bit of context for those who have poor memories like me um what happens is that Hermione gets really passionate about the house elves and freeing the house elves and how that works is if a house elf picks up a belonging that of somebody else's then they are free is that correct um they have a piece of clothing a piece of clothing that's what it is as soon as I was saying it, I was like I know that's close but not quite right Anyway, see, poor memory. Anyway, so what Hermione does is she starts knitting hats for them and then leaving them and hiding them in places so that way they accidentally pick them up and then accidentally free themselves. So there's a little bit of, I guess, moral ambiguity there. Should you trick them into becoming free if they don't even understand that they need to be freed? Yeah, that's that's difficult. I mean, how wizards have been treating house elves is obviously horrible. I mean, it's just disgusting. So 
that 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 is one thing that is awful but at the same time they really need to be the ones that take initiative and you know you need to work so that they make the decision to be free so you can help them that way and maybe educate them slowly but surely and maybe it might take a few generations of house elves but that would i think be more long lasting and there'd be less bitterness and violence um from them because they're like super powerful so if they wanted to be free they could be free but then they could do like a transition or something and of course all of this is hypothetical because this is fictional and i'm not talking about human slavery so please 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 do not think that i would apply this to a situation of human slavery this is purely based on a fictional culture and problem yeah, and it's not that her motivation was wrong, and I think that her motivations were actually right, and she brought to the forefront something that nobody had really even considered before. And even Ron and Harry are kind of like, why are you doing this? Um, so I think that her motivations were were good, but her methods might not have been the best. Yeah, and I um, appreciate that she she sees that this problem is because women tend to be more empathetic and Harry knows that what they're doing is wrong, but he can't quite make the connection. Like what wizards are doing to house elves is wrong, but he can't quite make the connection of how to solve the problem. And Hermione takes the initiative to solve the problem. And good for her for trying. Um, She took initiative. And on top of taking like all the classes ever, she ran this thing. And knitted hats. So didn't she charm her knitting needles to knit hats? I just yeah, she did, and it's it's funny because all the men that she talks to, um, are like she's being a ridiculous girl. Like they treat her that way, but in the end, she's the one that becomes prime minister and is able to enact laws, you know, that protect um, non wizarding spe- species and races. I'm not quite sure what's going, but word is politically correct in the wizarding world but whatever house elves centaurs mer people and um it's another one i can't remember goblins so um she she does that for them which is really cool so i think that will have long-lasting effects um definitely so before we run out of time we do need to talk about mrs weasley and molly weasley molly weasley she's amazing yes She's amazing. My favorite scene in the movie is at the end when she like screams at Bellatrix yes. and 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 like she's the one that takes her down. Like, oh my goodness. Best scene ever. She's just amazing anyway because she's doing all of this stuff and wrangling a bunch of kids and they all turned out okay, which is a feat. Yeah, and at the same time, she's still pulling, you know, guard duty for the Order of the Phoenix and um, doing who knows who knows what else, and I have to wonder, like, what facets of Mrs. Weasley are we missing because it's from Harry's perspective, right? If he just views her as a mother figure and maybe doesn't see the other parts of her personality, right? And we all know that, like, she and Mr. Weasley have a very amazing romantic relationship, right? Right? They they snuck like. Just to put it delicately, we know that's going on. So, uh, like, they snuck out at Hogwarts to be together. And I try not to th- It's like my own parents. Like, <laughs> Don't think Sorry, about Mom. it too hard. Sorry, Mom. Um, and so, 
And they have however many, how many kids is that? Five? Man, one, two, three, four, seven? Seven? Yeah. Oh, seven. Seven Sorry, kids. Fred and George. Uh, it's Percy. I one. always forget Percy belongs to them. Yeah, it's because he's a prat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Anyway, so she raises all of these kids who are actually really successful, um, which is, you know, as we know, part of Ron's complex, but... Um, and she does that, and I think a lot of times she gets uh, pushed off to the side because she expresses more motherly desires. Like, she loves her family the most, and that's what she fears the most is them dying. Um, but to manage that kind of household is, like, a management position. Like, that's a super, that's a really hard job. It is. And she does it so well. And she does. And, you know, one of the things that's always bothers me is why didn't she go to the Quidditch World Cup like every, literally everyone else in her family did? But, one, she might not like sports. She might have just wanted a break. I know. If you had that many kids in that tiny house, I would be so happy to send them off on an And you have it all to yourself? Have a cup of tea? Sit and read a Lockhart book? Yes, please. Sign me up. I mean, I wouldn't read Lockhart but she well, likes but, it. Well, you know. Whatever. You go. We weren't talking about me. We were talking about her. Exactly. So I, I, think, I think she's great. And I think it's very interesting that Rowling puts a lot of positive female figures. Everything from Tonks to Professor McGonagall to, you know, Molly Weasley. Um, just so many different positive older female figures. So you can see that there is a wide range of women and not just like this one stereotype. Yeah. Motherhood is equally as feminist as a businesswoman, you know? Like, well, and I think even like the whole motive, like the whole motivation for the book is the fact that Harry is on this quest because his mother sacrificed for him. You know, so there's like even yeah. that whole thread that runs through the whole book about um, his mom and what she did for him and her protection over him, and it's it's powerful stuff. So basically, this women in this story make it possible for the story to exist. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, Harry may get the title, but the women carry the plot. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, even one of the best uh, villains is Bellatrix yes. and Umbridge. I mean, I like, I kind of like Bellatrix as like an evil queen kind of motif thing going on. Oh, and I agree with the wonderful women of Witch Please who say that um, Helena Bonham Carter like is Bellatrix and Bellatrix is her. Like, how could they not be the same person? Yes. That pretty much is perfect. I can't really. I don't. I don't think of her any other way. Oh no! You couldn't possibly like. Oh, it's a, she does such a beautiful job. Yes. And and Umbridge still creeps me out. So creepy. Uh, I Umbridge though is very evil and sweet, and I think that is very interesting. That one of the most girly cutesy characters of the entire book is one of the most evil ever i i really i just like her more than i like pretty much any other character in the book well series 
Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And I don't think it's necessarily a commentary on being feminine looking, because I think another theme in the book is that appearances can be deceiving. Yeah. And I think it's also that, you know, evil doesn't always look evil. Oh, exactly. Definitely. Um, And there's a theme like with Hagrid, he looks monstrous, but he's one of the sweetest people. Or like Snape, is he good or is he seems really gross and evil looking, but I'm not talking about Alan Rickman. He's a beautiful man, and I would never say anything (laughs) bad about Alan Rickman. (laughs) I just had to clarify that. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway. Okay, just breathe. (laughs) Anyway. So Snape seems evil, but is he? So that's a question. Anyway. Oh my goodness. Well, he does have the like the most famous quote from the entire series. Always. Always. And you know that quote that says that Alan Rickman was asked about it. He's like, and I'll be sitting in my rocking chair reading Harry Potter and going always. That's not really true, but I don't care because I, I, you know, it's probably true. It should be true, even if it's not true. It should be true. <laughs> right. But then it makes me sad because he won't be sitting in his old rocking chair. I know. Chair. We can't talk about this anymore. No. I really might cry. Okay. Anyway, yes. So Umbridge looks sweet and innocent, but she is not. And I don't believe that it is doing playing into the motif that she's a bitter spinster. And that's a commentary on spinsterhood because um, there are a lot of unmarried women, whether they were married before or not, who are fine. Like Professor McGonagall. Exactly. She was married at one point, which we learned later on Pottermore, but doesn't actually say that in the book. So um, whatever your beliefs on canon, I just don't, don't stress about it, guys. Who cares? Who cares? Make it what you want. Just quit arguing. Rant over. Anyway, so um, I just think there's, there's a lot, too many, there's too such a wide variety of women in this book. I don't think you can say that Rowling is saying one particular stereotype of women um, generally speaking, is is bad. So definitely, we have not. all types of mothers. Because I mean, Tonks is a really like tomboyish kind of mother. She is, but she. she I love funny. her. If we only had twelve more hours to talk about this, we we would. We 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 definitely would. So if you um, if you if you want to talk about it more, because we are nearing the end of our podcast here, um. If you want to talk about it more, please tweet us, message us, whatever, and we'll be happy to chat about it. There are a lot of different topics that um, we wanted to cover that some of you guys had mentioned that you'd like us to cover, but we just didn't have time. Maybe we'll have a Q&A. Yeah, that would be cool. We might, we, might, we, we might figure out something, but you can always just ask us directly. Yeah, just always tweet at us or ask us on Instagram or let's see or anywhere. We're everywhere we doing so everything. Many choices. Yeah, we're pretty much social media addicts. What can we say? What can we say? It is the end of the month, so I guess we can announce our next theme. Which is... Autumn's Wheelhouse. My favorite! Southern literature! I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yes. This is Autumn's emphasis in all things. And we are not going to be talking about Gone with the Wind. I just have to say that. Sorry if you love Gone with the Wind, but <laughs> we are going to be talking about some amazing authors that 
you may or may not have never heard of, ever heard of, um, hopefully some old favorites. And yes, it's going to be wonderful and beautiful and amazing. And I'm excited. It's like, Autumn didn't have to read anything for this podcast. No, I didn't. It's the first one. (laughs) Probably the only one. And (laughs) yeah, so which which is really, which is really funny. So we're going to talk about Southern literature. Autumn is going to continuously gush. And if you would like to know ahead of time what our big two books I'll be talking about are, then you need to message us and we will tell you what they are. But otherwise, you're going to have to wait. So because we haven't gotten uh, our newsletter or anything up going yet, we're working on that. We are working on a newsletter and hopefully before the end of the year, we will have that so you can subscribe to our newsletter and we will send out book titles in advance well in advance so that way you can read along with us and join in on the conversation as soon as our podcast goes live which will be fun and wonderful and i'm super excited about that it's like a book club because it is a book club it is us and everyone else us and the whole world um i guess that's our show yeah that's it so as we said next time you can join us and we will be talking about southern literature um I'm so excited. I think I already said that. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, you can find me, Autumn Privet, on Twitter and Instagram and Litzy. And then you can also find Kendra at Katie Winchester on Twitter, Instagram, and Litzy. We also have the Reading Women on those platforms. And (laughs) we're everywhere. And so we are continually posting about our for children and the books that we're reading and well I post about the food that I eat um and other random (laughs) wonderful stuff and if you love our podcast please review us wherever you listen to it it really does help us and it can help us share all of our bookish randomness with other people and I think that's it so thank you for listening to the Reading Women podcast I'll see you guys next time bye bye